The live sheep trade needs no introduction. It is in many ways at the cutting edge of agriculture's so-called social license or the community's trust in agriculture. It brings with it a lot of emotion, opinion and of course politics. Well in this episode of The Yarn we hear from someone at the coal face of the live sheep trade and we discuss the facts of the trade, where it stands now and look at its future. Welcome to The Yarn. It is a podcast to and for the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. So the loss of the live sheep trade would cost the Australian sheep industry over $23 million a year. It would reduce the sale yard price of every lamb in the country by $6 a head and over $13 a head for older sheep. But in Western Australia, the cost would be a devastating $32 wiped from the price of every lamb in that state and $39 from every older sheep. Now, these figures come from the last year's uh, renewed analysis from the Centre for International Economics. It was commissioned by AWI and you can find the 29-page report on the publications section of wool.com. makes interesting reading because there's no doubting the very significant reliance the sheep industry, particularly the West Australian industry, has on the live sheep trade. Despite this, the trade has suffered very badly in the court of public opinion, regardless of the facts. So, what for the future for the live sheep trade? Well, Dr Holly Ludeman is a veterinarian who works in the trade as a compliance officer. She's spent a lot of time on ships, in sheep yards, and is now heading up the Sheep Collective to help tell the story of the live sheep trade and the greater industry. She caught up with me in Perth recently and she said it has been a very difficult time for the industry of late. It's been a very interesting um, journey working within and for live exporters. So I started off as a veterinarian preparing animals for export uh, and travelling on vessel to the Middle East or Southeast Asia uh, and then moved into more of a management or a compliance role. Uh, so there's a significant amount of compliance involved in, and regulation within the industry. So how would you describe the state of the industry at the moment? I think it's been a very emotive and politically driven topic and it's getting a lot of attention in the media. Um, which is possibly, um, well, definitely driven by activism and extremist views. Uh, and, um, and now, you know, we're under significant re- regulatory reform as well. Um, so the industry, I suppose, is um, very much at a turning point. When you say a turning point, what do you mean? Uh, I think we've everyone's seen the Awasi footage and um, that 60 Minutes aired, and from that point there were significant reviews by the Minister uh, into how the trade operates. Um, so we had the McCarthy review, a Moss review, and we currently got the heat stress um, risk assessment or heat stress review underway as well, which will determine um, whether sheep exports can t- continue and in what months they can continue. Uh, so the live export industry has responded by uptaking all recommendations, but has also signed a moratorium to not uh, export in the months of June, July and August. Now, your most uh, recent uh, initiative is the Sheep Collective. Um, Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I think um, when we're talking about what state the industry is in, um, 
there's been a lot of, a lot of everyone wanting to show you the the real story or more of the supply chain story and about how much the live export industry means specifically to WA um, to all stakeholders from you know, farmers particularly to truck drivers to shearers um, and all the way to our importing country which really values the Australian um, sheep pr- products especially in the Middle East so the sheep collectives about um, it's a movement essentially uh, about having a collective and united voice from all stakeholders um, to share how important this industry is and how it can be done with the highest animal welfare standards. So who's involved? Um, so as a, I suppose one of the initiators, um, myself, we've got um, a great um, producer, which many people would know, Bindi Murray, um, uh, Andy Jacob from the um, Road Transport Association in WA, uh, John Cunnington, who is the chair of uh, the West Australian Live Export Association, uh, and some other um, veterinarians as well, um, Dr Renee Willis and, and Peter Lewis as well. What are you hoping to do? Um, we were really, I was hoping to um, raise awareness and provide some uh, footage and information and facts which wasn't politically driven or um, or driven by any other agenda but to provide information and education for the community that might not understand what really happens within the supply chain uh, and show the care at each step and the people involved in, within the industry. Is it too little too late? Uh, I've had that question a lot. Uh, I think there's been an extreme um, and political view of this industry, which has been seen in in many agricultural or or in in general uh, industrial industries where there's um, uh, an extreme campaign against that industry, be it pork or or poultry. Uh, I think uh, it's not too late. The industry has a a promising future. It's it's a very... um, viable industry which can be done with very very we're world world standards is probably what I should say uh, when we're looking at the millions of sheep exported from other countries Australia has the highest standards and continues to do research in these areas that will um, benefits our importing countries uh, and their local sh- animals as well and the trade is very, very significant uh, in Western Australia for um, sheep producers, and particularly the wool industry in Western Australia. And uh, AWI has a number of reports that show the amount that it means to um, every weather and every ewe in, in WA. But looking back on um, your time in the industry, um, what lessons are there uh, from where the live export industry is now in terms of uh, this buzzword now, social licence. Where where did things start going wrong? Yeah, I think that's uh, it, there's lots of valuable lessons and there'll be lots of case studies, I'm sure, on this industry. Uh, I think social licence is a buzzword and um, we first need to define who's the judge of social licence. If we're saying the judge is the general community, um, then where the industry went wrong was sharing its story and communicating what it does and how it does it. Um, because the, the crisis event we saw was just that. It was a crisis event. Uh, and if every industry was judged solely on its crisis event... Um, then there would be no farming. Um, I think what 
the industry's rate of change um, hadn't kept up with um, Australian communities' perception or probably in this case the activist perception of the industry, which has a very loud and um, very coordinated, very well-funded voice. Uh, and the industry was probably, uh, in my opinion, underprepared and under-resourced to deal with such large campaigns. Um, that Some of them weren't necessarily big corporate companies but smaller companies within the live export industry and in this case the company was a family-run company um, which wasn't prepared for, for such an enormous you know, million dollars campaigns. Um, what we can learn from that is, uh, and is very much what the Sheep Collective is doing, is to bring a united front and a voice of, of how much animal welfare means to everyone in the supply chain and how it can, um, the industry can stand up and absolutely have social licence to continue to operate. So what are we likely to see from the Sheep Collective in uh, weeks and months ahead? Uh, we're working on like a longer-term strategy of what transparency really means. At the moment, we're you know sharing stories and voices from people within the supply chain, but I think uh, real transparency needs to be you know footage from onboard the vessel, statistics and and dashboards and and how that and feedback directly to producers. So we're working on how we can give more and more individual feedback and performance information uh, to our producers as well, so they can have assurances and support the industry. Uh, and that's probably another area where exporters have been a bit disconnected by, you know, through buyers and agents getting that feedback back down uh, as well as feedback back up. It will be really important so that we're all successful together. There's an interesting parallel here, of course, with mulesing in the wool industry and uh, uh, transparency and uh, showing change and, of course, um, the National Wool Declaration allowing uh, the consumer or at least the buyer to... Uh, uh, to determine uh, the the market, uh, the problem I suppose with live exports is that we don't see or hear much of the final consumer. Yeah, that's a good point to put into the social license discussion too, because at the moment we're basing social license on the Australian community, not on our consumer, because our consumer actually highly values our product, especially in the Middle East for sheep in this instance, or uh, sheep are also being exported to Israel, Russia. Uh, Turkey. Um, so they highly value the quality, the consistency and the quantity that we can provide um, for their food security reasons uh, and often religious reasons. But having worked in many importing countries and seen uh, the operations, the facilities, the staff, the infrastructure, uh, I think most Australian producers and farms would be very impressed. Uh, recently in Kuwait, you know, there's um, you know, new state-of-the-art um, abattoirs being built the feedlots are uh, you know better than many I've seen here in Australia uh, and the training and the, and the care that Australian consultants have then helped deliver in those markets is also really impressive and, and that's come a long way I know there's been lots of uh, accusations in the past of animals leaking and being slaughtered via traditional methods so there's been a lot of work under SCAS regulation to help improve training and management of Australian livestock once they arrive uh, and now you know having seen that firsthand um, it, it's it's come a long way and it's really impressive. We talk a lot of society's expectations here in Australia and I suppose um, the live export trades social license is is with the Australian society from a uh, a legislative point of view, but looking at uh, the Middle East and their society and their requirement for um, uh, fresh meat as opposed to chilled, I mean, is that 
Is that changing? Do you see the customs changing over over there so that they will accept um, chilled meat or a, something that is a little more palatable to this Australian society? That's a good question in that chilled meat consumption and chilled exports from Australia are still increasing to the Middle East and, and that's often in more affluent areas from my understanding, but the MLA statistics um, would be good to refer to in that question. But what was interesting recently being in the Middle East when Australian exports stopped over the last summer period, live exports actually continued to increase in the region, but they were coming from other countries. So the demand for live, um, fresh true fresh product um, in those countries is still very high while there is still increased consumption and, uh, of chilled products into more restaurant and high-end markets so the traditional practices are still very much in, in, in place and there's still very much demand for the quality and quantity Australia can deliver into that, that area of demand uh, so I think they're in some order of 16 million sheep live might go into the region and Australia might only provide 2 million of those. Um, so that demand, um, if Australia is removed, will be filled by other countries. But those, those customs and, and the culture around um, the Hajj or other festivals where um, fresh meat is required is not, is not going to change in a hurry by the sound of it? Well, I'm definitely not a religious expert, but I don't believe so, no. But Australian um, sheep are now within what we call closed-loop systems, so not being part of religious festivals. Um, they're m more of a um, commercial product, which would be sold to butchers and, and restaurants, um, or people can come in and, and take a carcass. So very much the animal is controlled all the way to its point of slaughter. So why not have that animal slaughtered in Australia um, under halal conditions and have the carcass available over there? Yeah, I think, um, again, that's a requirement from the importing countries. They want food security, they want fresh animals available. Uh, and I think at the moment there's not enough air freight space. It's a complicated issue. Um, being able to slaughter those animals in abattoirs here is not as simple as it sounds um, from my uh in my opinion, which um, commercially I, I don't understand all of those ins and outs, but um, it's also really important for WA to manage times where, um, you know, as feed drops off, you know, it's somewhere for those weathers to, to go into an export market. And at the moment there might be anywhere from sixty to 70,000 sheep being exported every two to three weeks. Right. So, Holly, um, just to, to wrap up, what would you like to say to um, Australian wool growers, uh, many of them, of course, in WA, that um, uh, are feeling that um, the, the future of the trade is in jeopardy? They do want to um, obviously support the trade and continue the trade, but also don't want to see their animals suffering. What do you have to say to them? I think as a veterinarian, I want to ensure that they understand there is a lot of care and effort that goes into every part of the supply chain uh, and that we want to provide information to them um, so that they can continue to support the industry. The Sheep Collective is a great way for them to get involved and share their voice. Uh, so please join us on social media and check out the website and how you can get involved at thesheepcollective.com.au. And I think it's important for farmers to um, have a voice with 
the industry if they want it to continue uh, and um, you know them asking questions of the industry will be as important as us providing information. So those that wanted to join the Sheep Collective what, what do you want farmers to do other than just join? Um, they can subscribe, share, um, send us um, you know footage from their farms um, or ask questions uh, and, and we can help provide those answers on, on FAQs on the website or share that information via social media. Fantastic. Well, um, Dr Holly Ludeman, thank you very much for joining us on The Yarn and having a, a really sensible and rational discussion about a, a trade that uh, is still very, very important to the West Australian wool industry. Yeah, thanks for having me on board. That's Dr Holly Ludeman from the Sheep Collective. Um, they've got a great website, definitely worth uh, travelling to and having a look through the Sheep Collective website, very informative. Uh, in terms of the yarn, thank you again for joining us. I hope you uh, enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to uh, subscribe and review. Um, always keen for more listeners. A very big thank you to Ben Madwick for editing this episode. But for me, Murray's coming, signing off. Thanks for having a yarn with us. Mm-hmm.